We've had a lot of fun this summer. Uh, we like to take some time at the, towards the end of uh, the summer for the school year anyway and just kind of recap um, what's been going on. But I hope that you realize here at Genesis, one of the things that we value, this is why we do this over the summers, we find opportunities. We, we want there to be opportunities to be in community together uh, because we think that that is really important here at Genesis, that we are created and designed to be in community with one another and um, pursuing relationships with each other as we pursue our relationship with Jesus. And so I want to say, if you are new to Genesis, um, we want to invite you to be a part of that community. Uh, come find me after service. Uh, meet us out at the welcome area. We would love to get you connected so you can be uh, a part of our community and our family here. Now, I have the privilege, Jerry mentioned this earlier, of sharing from our theme verse this year that was at our middle school and our high school conference. You may notice my really cool sweater I have on right here. Yes, I know it's like 90 degrees outside today. It's fine. Um, but it says kingdom worker on it. And over the course of the summer, one of the opportunities we give to our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, we take them away for a week-long uh, summer conference. And it's put on by Christ in Youth. And they are really intentional about making sure that students hear the gospel clearly preached to them and inviting them into kingdom work. And if you don't know what kingdom work is, it's doing work that is for God's kingdom. Um, and so they invite students into that and they say, we want to send you back to your, to your church home, to your local church, where you then can do kingdom work. And I love the way that they, they give examples and they help students understand that kingdom work is attainable for you right here, whether you're a sixth grader, um, whether you're a 12th grader, whether you're a graduate about to go to college. And the same is true for every, um, every person in this room, whether you're five or 105. If you are following Jesus, he wants to call you into kingdom work. And so uh, that's why we love doing that. And so the, I get to teach from Galatians 2.20, which was our theme verse. Here's why I'm excited to be here today with all of you. Um, I simply just get to share with you God's word from Galatians. Um, and, you know, the temptation was I could just read Galatians 1 through 6 for you today. Um, but I, I figured that would probably be something you could do on your own. So I want to encourage you, really, this, this week, today, spend some time in Galatians. Um, it is really a powerful book, a powerful letter. Uh, and we're going to get into discussing um, what Paul was addressing. But first, before we get into all of this, will you stop and will you pray with me? today? Father, we want to recognize um, that there is um, nothing, um, there is nothing that we can, uh, nothing we can do, um, nothing we can say, um, nothing uh, that I have to say, certainly today, apart from your spirit, God, speaking to us, that is going to um, do anything for us, God, that that we, we, we need you. Um, and so, God, I pray as we get into Galatians today that your spirit would be speaking to us um, to all ages. Um, Father, we want to have ears to hear. Um, Father, I pray that these words would convict our hearts, would convict my heart. And, um, God, we just want to be open to that. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, um, that you sent him to die for us so that we could have new life. And it's in his name that we pray today. Amen. All right, well, I want to kick off the morning by asking you a question. It's kind of an odd question, but it's really more of an idea that was presented at our high school conference, and, and it goes like this. How many of you in your homes have a junk drawer? Anyone in here have a junk drawer? Okay, so uh, if, you are a, if you are an elementary school kid in the room, all right, kindergarten through fifth grade, I want you to shout out what are things you find in your junk drawer at home? Some, what are some examples of things that you would find in the junk drawer? 
All right, I'm just going to, okay, whole room, anyone shout out. Scissors, pens, pencils, what? Someone say cake. I could, okay. Hey, you know, teach their own. Everybody has different junk drawers. Um, Right, so at, at our house, we don't have a junk drawer. We have a junk basket. Um, some of you, your junk drawer might be your closet or your minivan. Not judging, just saying. Um, right, but what is, the, what is the purpose of a junk drawer? For some of us, or for most of us, the purpose of it is it, it's accumulation of things that we don't really know what to do with, but we don't really want to get rid of it. Um, and some of the things that you all mentioned, they're in, they're in our junk drawer, our junk basket at home. And most of those things that we need on a semi-regular basis kind of sit on the surface so we can grab them like tape or scissors or um, batteries or whatever that might look like. Um, but also what happens every now and then you get digging into that junk drawer and you will pull something out and you're like, what is this thing? And do you throw it away? No. no. <laughs> because, because one day you're going to find a need for this thing again, right? Well, I share this analogy with you because I think this, the same thing is true in our lives. And specifically, those of us who are following um, Jesus, um, we have this internal junk drawer, this area of our life where we store things away um, that maybe we know we should throw out, but we hold on to it because one day... You know, one day there might be a use for it. And the reality is that Jesus really wants to enter in. He wants to satisfy all of those needs. Um, and and the, the Bible would kind of describe this as like the battle between flesh and spirit, right? Where we know Christ's spirit should satisfy, but our flesh is like, but that felt good at one time, right? Or those of us who have been following Jesus for, for quite a while, we've actually added some new items to our junk drawer, like um, checklists or things that we need to do that make us look really good before God, you know, like going to church each Sunday or, um, you know, how much I give to the church each week or whatever those things might be that we help make us feel like we're doing good. And maybe it's not with the wrong intent. We're just trying to say, okay, God, like, you know, look, you, you, you see I'm busy throughout the week, but hey, I serve once a, uh, once a month at the church. Like, you see that, right? Um, we, we add these things to our our drunk drawer, but really Christ wants to come in. He wants to satisfy that. We don't, we don't need to feel the need to perform or do any of those things for God. And Paul is going to address some of those things specifically for those of us who've been following Jesus and that need um, to maybe try to win over God's approval or do things um, that please him. And so in Galatians um, 2.20, if you have your Bible, why don't you turn there uh, this morning with me or pull out your phone and turn to Galatians 220. Now, while you're turning there, this book is, it's a short letter. Like I said, it's six chapters long. And Paul is, he's writing to the churches in the region of Galatia, which would be modern day Turkey today. And he helped establish these churches. You need to understand like Paul loved um, this church. Um, he helped establish it during his first missionary journey. And it won't take you long, just the first chapter in, for you to realize the intent of his letter um, and how much he cares about this church. Um, and this is what was happening. The church was being persuaded. Uh, they were being persuaded uh, by a new, what Paul said was a new and a different gospel than the one that he had preached to them. 
He said a gospel that's really not the gospel at all. Um, he said the, the gospel that Paul had originally preached to them is the same gospel that Jesus Christ himself gave to Paul. It's the gospel we preach here at Genesis. And if you're unfamiliar with what the gospel means, it simply means the good news. It's the good news that proclaims to all people that though we are all sinners and we can never measure up to the holy and perfect standards of the living God, through faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ, who died for the sins of all people, you and I can be justified and made right before God. This is the gospel Paul was preaching to the people in Galatia, um, that we are accepted by God as a result of his grace um, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, period. That's the end, right? And the problem was that the church um, was being convinced that there was something else that needed to be done, that along with their faith, there were also these laws that they were being asked to follow and these spiritual practices um, to be made right with God, to be in right standing with God. And I want you to hear me say this this morning, and this is what Paul was trying to communicate, that any gospel message that says we are made right, through, uh, we are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ plus something else is, is not the gospel. It's false. Any message like that is not good news. It throws away the sufficiency of God's grace. It diminishes the power of what Jesus has done to reconcile us back to God. And instead, it inserts us somehow into that process to make things right um, with God. And Paul was, was, was going to great lengths to help them understand um, what they were being persuaded by to the point that he even said, even if an angel of the Lord comes down and preaches a different gospel than the one that I brought to you, let him be cursed before God. It's a really bold thing to say, but you also hear the passion in Paul and his love for the church. A Christ, a faith in Christ plus something gospel is heresy and it must be opposed. And that's why at the beginning um, of his letter, Paul begins pleading with the church and encouraging them to realize that they do not need these laws and these regulations to prove to God that they are worthy enough. And Paul, and they would know this about him, that he would know uh, more than any of them because he was once a Pharisee, which means that he followed God's laws and his regulations. And in fact, in Philippians, in reference to following God's laws, Paul said about himself um, that he found himself faultless, that he, that he followed those laws perfectly. But he also realized that while God's laws are perfect and they're holy and they're righteous, they're also death to all people. That seems a little confusing, right? How can something that, that is right also be death to all people? Well, it's because none of us can measure up to God's standards. And none of us, by trying to achieve them and doing the right things, can be made right with God. And by the time that Paul gets to chapter 2 in Galatians, he makes this bold proclamation that many of us are familiar with today in verse 20. It's what Jacob read for us earlier, Galatians 2.20, that says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In this life, I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. 
And what Paul is saying here and claiming about his own life, um, he's saying is also true for anybody who's put their faith in Jesus. That when you put your faith in Jesus, it's as though you have died to your old self. Um, you died just as Christ died on that cross. Yes, death to your old, your old sins and your old habits, but also death to our own self-righteousness and the things that we think we need to do to be justified before God. But instead, um, now that just as Jesus lives, we now live, right? That we live, that something has changed, not as we once lived, but now Christ's very spirit lives in us. And our joy and our satisfaction, it comes from him now. This is the good news. This is the good news that Paul um, was proclaiming. This is the good news I'm proclaiming to you this morning. But I believe that this good news can also be really difficult news for us to receive. Because I think as, as, as humans, we all have this incessant and relentless need to self-justify, to prove that we are right. Do you know people like that in your life who have to prove that they are right all the time? Um, I know those people. One of them is me. You should be pointing at yourself as one of those people. I see that in my, in my children as well. Like we all have this need to self-justify. But guess what else we like to do? We all really like to work hard so at the end of the day, we can feel like we really earned it, right? We really earned something. Um, we, all, we all want that. Um, and, and you've probably heard people say before things like, nothing in life is free. Like, you want to know how I got where I am today? I worked really hard to get where I am today. And while this might be the American way, this isn't God's way. And I hope that you don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that we should throw out good work ethic or that we shouldn't be hard workers. But what we need to understand is when it comes to the gospel and the good news, the gospel says that self-justification and hard works gets us nowhere with God. That is not what God is looking for. Um, that we cannot obtain God's righteousness through our own self-righteousness or our own good deeds or us being a good person and the problem is that the church in Galatia, they were struggling with this. And, and I think that same struggle is a struggle all of us deal with today. And I think it's a struggle the next generation will deal with, and the next generation, and the generation after that, because these are the things our flesh struggles with. The challenge of Galatians 2.20 is really learning how to let go of all of the things that we think that we need, all of the, the things we think we need to achieve for God, and it's instead, it's allowing Jesus to come in and to satisfy all of those needs. It's believing um, that what God has for you and what God has already done for you is better than what is back in that junk drawer that we are tempted to go back to. And that's why in the very next verse, Paul writes this, Galatians 2.21, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. He said, I do not set aside the grace of God. Paul knows, as I think many of us understand about our own lives, that it is our natural fleshly desire to try to fix everything and achieve everything on our own. 
And I get the fact that we all have junk in our past and we'll probably have lots of junk in our future and some of us might be dealing with our own junk right now in the present. But I, I think you need to hear me say this morning, the truth is that, that your standing with God will never change based on your mistakes, whether it's past, present, or future, um, or the number of good deeds that you accomplish to make up for them. And I hope that this morning that that actually sounds like good news to some of you in the room. That Christ came to set you free from all of that, to set you free from the bondage of slavery, slavery from our own sins and our own self-righteousness, that Jesus accomplished all of that for us. Paul uh, continues to challenge and encourage uh, this church in chapter four, when he says, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that don't even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become enslaved once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You see, just like the, the church in Galatia, we cannot be ignorant to the fact that there will always be a temptation to go back, uh, to go back to the junk drawer um, where there are things that we think will satisfy that maybe at one point brought some sort of satisfaction um, or things that we think we need to go back to to please God. And in those moments of temptation, we need to recognize that it may actually feel more comfortable to go back to our old patterns and our old, way, uh, old ways of living, to go back to what is familiar to us. I mean, and Paul understands the way that, the, the, uh, the, way that those, uh, the Gentiles were raised. He understands the things that they came from. And he's like, why do you want to go back to that bondage? Why do you want to go back to that slavery when Christ has paid for all of those things? I agree. Um, and so here's what I want to do. I want to invite a couple students up here um, to help us kind of get a visual of what this looks like in our lives. Can I get a middle school student to volunteer? Oh, you're almost old enough. I know. Um, oh, right over here, Farah. Yeah, come on up. And then I need a high school student. I need a high school student. I heard someone say Elliot. Is he in the room? Oh, okay. Yeah, your brother. That's perfect. Come on up. Farron and Elliot are in her student ministry, brother and sister, so they're super excited to do this together, I'm sure. Come on up. Um, all right. So, Elliot, I need you to stand over here. I've got this basket for you to hold. Awesome. Okay, perfect. You uh, go ahead and stand right here for me and face your sister. Now, you are going to represent Jesus for us this morning. No pressure, Okay. You are going to represent everybody else in this room, so all of humanity, so the bar is set super low for you, so you're good. Um, and I just want you here, you can hold this down, get comfortable, you're going to be here for just a moment. All right, there you go. So this basket right here, Farah, it represents um, all of the things in our junk drawer, the things that we go back to, the things that we really um, know Christ should satisfy, but for some reason when our flesh is weak, we go back to this. And I want you just to grab one of these. There you go. And then I want you just to turn around and face that way. And what Pharaoh did, we often do, right? The things that Christ died for, um, the things that Christ um, offered and said, put it all on me, I'm taking all of this, um, we come back to and we begin to grab these things because we think, you know, at one point this worked, or at least it felt like it did. 
You know, this, the, these things satisfied. Just keep holding all of them. You got them. Um, at some point, these things, you know, they, they satisfied and, and they worked. You just, you got it. You are proving the point so well, you don't even know. And, and we keep going back to these things. And whether it's old habits or it's old sins or it's, uh, um, or it's things that we feel like we have to do or things that, that maybe old church, uh, coming from old churches or leaders or things that were intentionally or unintentionally impressed on us that we feel like we have to do to prove ourselves to God. And what happens is we start to drop these things because we were never meant to carry them in the first place. It's why Christ came. It's why he died. And so what do we do in that moment? Fair, I want you to turn around, and I want you to drop all of those in here. Perfect. Can you give them a hand? You guys can have a seat. See, I believe one of the greatest temptations, uh, as Christians, one of the greatest temptations we face after handing our life over to Jesus is actually picking it back up again. But I think our response should always be what Farah did, which is, repentance. And if you don't know what that is, Farrah just demonstrated it for us beautifully, right? It's having our back turned where we actually turn away from God and maybe we're wandering and repentance is then it's turning back to God. And I think sometimes we think of repentance as this need, like I have to fall to my knees and I have to beg God to forgive me. But it's really recognizing that what? Jesus was there the whole time. His grace was fully extended the entire time. And it's simply turning around, and it's just thanking God for his abundant, never-ending, never-failing, all-sufficient grace. God, thank you for that. I believe when we make a mistake or we head back to our old ways of living, instead of setting aside God's grace, we should actually embrace it all the more. And I think this statement is actually scary for some people especially those of us who love to follow the rules. Because the first thing that comes to our mind is, you can't tell people that because then they're going to do whatever they want and just think God's okay with it. And Paul addresses that in Romans when he says, so should we just go on sinning so that grace will continue to abound? And, And no, absolutely not. But I do think in our mistakes, when we fall back and we lean on the flesh and we realize we can turn around and God's grace is there the whole time, his grace kind of becomes more and more beautiful. And I think that it is because of his grace and everything that he has done that it causes us to say, I don't want to go back to those things. I just want to receive the grace that you continually offer me. And I'm not just talking about repenting of sins and old habits. I think also we need to have the practice of repenting from our own self-righteousness. God, I'm, I'm picking these things up and I'm trying to do these things because I, I, I want you to be happy. You know, I made a mistake. How can I make it up to you, right? That's how we do it maybe in human relationships, but that's not what God asks for. I love this quote from pastor and commentator David Guzik who says, the only way to have a right relationship with God is not on the basis of what you can do for him, but on the basis of what Jesus has done for you. And if you walked in here this morning, and this doesn't represent your relationship with Jesus, it can. And when Jesus went to the cross on your behalf, 
that was it. His grace is sufficient. It's by his grace. And all he asks of us is to believe by faith. And so then what is our response to God? And I'm tempted not to say, what should we do then? But what is our response to the one who gave himself to us freely? How do we practically die to ourselves? How do we die to our fleshly wants and our fleshly desires to self-justify, to try to be made right before God and instead live in true freedom? Well, it's right there in Galatians 2.20, faith. This life that I now live in, this body, I live by faith. And not just any faith, but faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Because what Paul is trying to help them understand is, hey, you've got this, you've got this battle going on of, of, should I follow these laws and these rules, or should I just receive God's grace? Should I give into my flesh, or do I live by the Spirit? And Paul's saying, faith conquers flesh. Do you want to know how to fight your flesh? It's by leaning into the grace that God has already offered. When we choose doing and earning and achieving instead of simply receiving what Christ has done on our behalf, we miss out on the joy and the love of God. It's in Galatians that that Paul said, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. And if you're anything like me, you have been a Christian at some point in your life, felt like you are not very free. And Paul doesn't want that. He didn't want that for this church. God didn't want that for this church, for that church. And he certainly doesn't want it for any of us. It is for freedom that he has set us free. It's by faith that we receive Christ's spirit who leads us to freedom and everlasting life. And when we choose to receive the grace of God, that's when we experience true freedom. Near the end of uh, his letter to the Galatians, describing a life of faith, Paul says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul is saying when we continually put our faith in Jesus, it keeps us in step with God's Spirit. We no longer, uh, it's, it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ now who lives in us. And this is my hope this week as I was preparing this message for everybody who is in this room, anyone who is watching online, is that today when you leave here, whether you came in here and you knew nothing about Jesus or you were on the fence and you didn't know if you wanted to give your life over to Christ, that, that you would be able to claim Galatians 2.20 and say, that is true of me. I've been, I've been crucified with Christ and I'm giving up my life to have a life with Christ, that his grace is enough. And it's also for everyone in this room who's been following Jesus for years, who needed to be reminded God's grace is still enough in your life. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, my flesh is dead, but now it's Christ's very spirit that lives in me. So this life that I now live in this body, I choose to live 
by faith. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the good news. It's the good news we need to remind ourselves of each day. And as we celebrate baptisms across both of our services today, I want you to know that's what we're celebrating. We're not celebrating just some, something that this person accomplished as they're walking into this tub. We're celebrating what Christ has accomplished. As we listen to their testimony, we're hearing what a life went through before Jesus and because of God's great grace, their life is changed. And if you don't know what baptism is, that's, that's what baptism represents as, as followers of Jesus. Jesus told his disciples they should go and tell everyone of this good news and for those who receive it by faith to baptize them in his name. And that's what we're going to do today. We have a couple people who are declaring, as I go under this water today, it is a representation of me dying to my old self. I wanna lay down my flesh and my old life. And I'm believing by faith as I come up out of this water that God's grace is sufficient. That's what we're celebrating today. Will you, uh, will you uh, pray with me and then we're going to celebrate baptism. We're gonna worship together today. Father, thank you for your great grace. God, thank you for um, this encouraging, challenging letter from Paul. And that it still rings true for us today. Lord, I pray that there will be um, many, many people, if not all of us, who walk out of this room today, who walk in a newfound freedom. But really, it's not new. It's your grace that, that has been there the whole time. And that we would turn back to you and we would receive it. It's by your grace that we have been, been saved through faith. Thank you. We pray all of this in your son's name.